I'm Chrissy Bontrager, the Care and Family Ministries Director. We have our e-bulletin available online with links to our Connect form and website. You can access this by opening the camera app on your iPhone or Android device and pointing it at the QR code on the screen. If you're new with us today, we're so glad you've joined us. Please connect with us by going to PressChurch.tv or by snapping the QR code with your device and clicking on the I'm New link. This is not a commitment to anything, but an opportunity for us to support you and to thank you for joining us. Next week, Sunday, April 24th, we will be having Food Truck Sunday at our PAL campus right after our 1030 service. Please join us to enjoy a morning of fellowship, food, and fun. Our men's Bible study, Men of Courage, meets every Tuesday at 6 p.m. If you're interested in joining or have any questions, please contact Jason Allison at jason.allison at presschurch.tv. Each Monday night from 6 to 8.15 p.m., we partner with the Dream Center in Delaware to deliver groceries to families in need. We build relationships with these families and grow in our own faith as we serve others. You can volunteer once or twice a month or even weekly. To find out how you can participate, please contact Pastor Jason at jasonallison at presschurch.tv. If you would like to join Press Church in making a difference in this community, there are four ways you can help support us financially. If you're visiting a campus in person, there's a box by the back exit of the worship center where you can drop off your support as you leave. If you prefer to send a check, please send it to 8794 Big Bear Avenue, Powell, Ohio 43065. The easiest way to give is by visiting our website or texting any amount to the number 84321. Let's celebrate everything God has given us and support the community both locally and globally. Now, let's prepare to engage what God has for us today. Amen. Happy Easter, everybody. I'm excited. We got sun. We're together. It's a good day. Happy Easter. Growing up in church, we used to say, the pastor would say, he is risen. And they would say? He is risen. Yeah, some of you guys know. Good. He's risen. Amen. That's what we're celebrating today. Well, my name is Pastor Sean. I'm the lead pastor here. For those of you joining us for the first time or visiting us, we are so happy to have you here. And for those of you watching us online, we are so glad to have you uh, joining us in spirit. Uh, today is a good day, and I'm happy to be here, and I'm, uh, it's a blessing to be here and be able to celebrate together with you. Uh, we're doing something special today, and I want you guys to do this. I know you all have phones, because I watch you guys while I'm teaching on Sundays, look down and check texts and those sort of things. Get your phone out, and I want you to go to Facebook, and I want you to check in 
to Press Church right now because for every check-in that we get today, we're going to do donate $5 to the Delaware Dream Center. Uh, for those of you who come here often, the Delaware Dream Center is an organization uh, that we work with quite often. Monday nights, we have teams that go out and uh, deliver food. We are able to uh, do some Easter baskets this year with our life group. So if you're not in a life group, you should be in a life group because you get to do fun things like that. Uh, but for every check-in, we will donate $5 to the Dream Center. Uh, and while you're at it, go ahead and put like a, you know, hashtag press church, do all that cool stuff. I'm not really up on the hashtags. Um, I'm not very good at that. But if you're good at that, do all that stuff. But every, every check-in, $5 to the Dream Center today, um, it's it's great to be able to team up with organizations that do good work. And so uh, through our outreach center in Delaware, we've been able to uh, get to know the guys and the, just the people over at the, the Dream Center. It's been great to, to get the partner together. Um, if you haven't yet talked to Pastor Jason, he can get you uh, set up to serve on Monday nights. It's a great opportunity. It's, it's very easy, uh, and it supports uh, some, a lot of people. So... All right, Easter Sunday. If you are new with us, we do something here at Press Church every week. And what that is, is the other pastors, we get together and we hop in the car together and we talk about the message for today. And so I have uh, Pastor CR and Pastor Jason who are on staff with me. Uh, CR is our executive pastor and Jason is our pastor of spiritual formation. Uh, and something that we really value is teamwork. We value working together through the messages, uh, through uh, studying together, planning together, and what we do is we get in and do a little comedians in cars getting coffee, but we're not as funny. Um, and the budget is much lower. Um, but we like to talk through stuff, and we hope that you guys uh, get to see us working through some of the questions that we ask and some of the different sermons we talk about. So let's take a look at this video. Easter, it's the Super Bowl of oh, church life. No pressure, no pressure, Sean. The big one. This is the big one. Why is it that this is the big one? That's the thing. It's like we have services yeah. every Sunday. We do things throughout the week. Yep. And the centrality of the cross is always there in everything. But we focus in on this one Sunday, right? Yeah, it's like, no, this is kind of a... Right. Central theme to everything that we do, all the time. Yeah. And but this is yeah the one. Uh, it's so critically important to understand why that has value. Mm. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's not just a story. It's not just some cute little narrative that we yeah. tell one time a year and then we go off and eat our candy from the Easter baskets. You know, mm. um, <laughs> it, it's it has so much more to it that points to greater meaning and purpose, right? Yeah. Well, the the problem is, is just like the movies, we like the story to be wrapped up in a nice little book. Oh, yeah. Put it yeah, in a package yeah. and then put it yes. away. Yes, two hours know? and 15 mm -hmm. minutes, I go through the entire cycle. Yeah, the, right. the hero wins, we go, yeah, okay, yeah. all is good. Yeah. And this is a much bigger, more powerful, <laughs> yeah. more complex, <laughs> right, narrative. And it needs to infect the rest of our lives. All of the great stories of all times have some similarity to the, mm. the crucifixion or the, the, the redemptive narrative yeah. of God. Mm -hmm. it, you know, someone sacrifices themselves right. for another. Yeah, for the good of you know, others. And yeah, yeah. That, that's, 
there's something about us as humans that right. resonate with that idea. So we're just going to another movie, or we're just going to another... Uh, we're just hearing another uh, hero tale well, that... I, I would say that all of the, all of the other movies and storylines and so forth point to the bigger narrative of what Christ did on the cross and in the empty tomb. Yeah. Right. And so that's why we're drawn to all this concept, these, you know, these pieces of the of the story because it it touches something deeper in us. Right. I keep we're talking about movies, I keep thinking of Gladiator. Are you not entertained? It's like <laughs> is are we coming because it's tradition or are we coming right. because it's like we want to be entertained. Give me the feel good story, give me the entertain me, tell me. Let me feel good about it. Uh, you know, it, but at the core, we're we resonate with this uh, this powerful story. Mm-hmm. And when we ask ourselves, you know, why why that is, I think we we get the sense that if it's true, if we're that loved, that someone would die for us. Yeah. That gives us a sense of purpose and meaning that nothing else in this life can possibly give. You know. Can you allow that to sink in? Can you allow that mm. yeah. that imagery, that the idea behind all of it? Can you allow the, the story to sink in? Yeah. And say, you know, and now and, and ask yourself, you know, what what's that mean for me? Like what? Even if you don't believe in the divinity of Christ, mm. there's this sense of well, oh someone was. Yeah. Murder. Murder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now the question is, are we willing to allow it to touch us that deeply that it actually changes the way that we see the rest of our lives? Yeah. All right. Do we, um, any emotional people in the room? Got any emotional people? Yeah. Any emotional people? Uh, if you're joining us online, you know, put those little emoji hands up. You know, you can, you can be involved too. Uh, who, who's, who's the person that cries in all the movies? We got criers. <laughs> who, who, are the, who are the criers? It's always funny when my wife was pregnant, you know, we'd be watching something. It's not even sad. And I look over and she's just <laughs> like, wait, was I, is that supposed to be sad? So I work really hard to make sure I don't cry in movies. I work really hard. Uh, just way too, too vulnerable, right? I, I, can't, I, I can't show that much. Um, I just can't show that, right? I got I to gotta, I gotta hold it together. But I remember when I was younger, um, I, I don't remember how old I was. I don't, I, I, I remember I was in the living room. We were watching a movie together. And it was, I believe it was a movie or a show, but it was about the life of Jesus. And I'm sure if I watched it now, it'd probably be like super cheesy and just awfully done. Like, but I, I remember as a kid watching this and, and, you know, you're watching the life of Jesus and it gets to the point where he's, he's, he's being crucified. And, and he's, you know, getting whipped in the crown of thorns and the nails. And I, I remember sitting, I was in this chair, and I, and I kind of angled myself. I was bawling. I don't know how old I was, but I remember it just, it just hit me. Like, I had never thought about what, what the death and resurrection of Jesus actually means for me. And I was sitting there just bawling. And I remember, like, trying to hide it. Like, no, I don't think anyone to this day knows that I was sitting there crying. But I was sitting in this chair, and I, I remember I was just kind of, I, I pulled, like, a pillow over, acting like I was trying to sleep. I did, but I just remember hiding my tears. But it just hit me so hard that 
Jesus went through that for me. And I think if this is true, if this story is true, if, if what we say we believe is true, then I have to come face to face with a God that loves me that much to go through that for me. And so similar to the question that Jason asked at the end of the video, have you ever let that sink in? Have you ever thought about what Jesus did for you? Have you ever thought about that, the pain that he went through, the suffering, the mocking? Have you ever thought about it? Has it ever been real to you? Or is it just a story that you say, yeah, you know, I'm not sure if he was God or not. Maybe you have your doubts. Maybe you don't believe in the divinity of Jesus. And it was just some guy who was crazy enough to die because maybe he thought he was God or, you know, I don't know. There's some reason why he would have done that, but there's no reason. There's no way he's God. So we're going to deal with this a little bit today in the balance of hope and doubt. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to Luke chapter 24. We're going to be in Luke 24 for a decent amount today. And let's read this. This is, this is after Jesus has been killed. It said, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found a stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you? In Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified on the third day, and be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. So there's one thing that I can tell you. Men and women have been miscommunicating for a long time. <laughs> That's a thing. But I'm going to ask you a question that you maybe haven't heard in church before. Has the resurrection of Jesus ever seemed like nonsense to you? Has it ever seemed like nonsense? Good. That's awesome. Amen. I hope that answer always stays like that. I do. I hope it does. But my first slide is this today. If the resurrection of Jesus seems unbelievable to you, you're in good company. Even the disciples thought it was nonsense. They didn't believe it. And I think we've tried to make this seem normal like the death and resurrection of Jesus, we've tried to make this seem normal so that people believe. Like, oh, no, it's very reasonable. This guy died, and, I mean, he, he rose again. You know, it's like we, we try to make it seem to people like, oh, it's so believable. This is unbelievable. It really is. It's not normal. And so much so that the very people that Jesus had been around, who he had been talking to, had he had outright told them what would happen. The very people that, that he was around, even they had their doubts. 
You may have uh, heard of Thomas in the Bible, right? Often referred to as Doubting Thomas. You familiar with Thomas? He said he would not believe until he felt the scars in his hands and his feet. I think that's reasonable. If, if you heard somebody had died and rose again, wouldn't, wouldn't you kind of want to see some proof? Like, I think it's like reasonable, Thomas. It's reasonable. I know no one said that before. That's like, I'm not being sacrilegious. Just, just go with me here. The reactions of the disciples and the people around Jesus were very reasonable. Fear, confusion, doubt. Let's continue in Luke chapter 24. This is verse 36. This is the, while they were still talking about this. So this is after the fact. The disciples are off talking about what had happened. Jesus stood among them and said to you, peace be with you. So that's kind of freaky. They were startled and frightened, thinking they saw a ghost. He said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts rise in your minds? Look at my hands and my feet. It is I, myself. Touch me and see. A ghost does not have flesh and bones, as you see I have. They were seeing Jesus. They were experiencing this, and they were still doubting. They still weren't sure. They were still afraid. And in their minds, things weren't lining up. Jesus was supposed to be the Messiah, and what they thought of as the Messiah is that he was going to fix everything. He was going to make sure that the Jewish people had power. This militant leader. He was supposed to be for them. He wasn't supposed to die. And like so many of us and other people, the disciples had misplaced their hope. They had a good starting point. They did hope that Jesus was going to do something. But the hope that they had in Jesus was not necessarily the hope of what Jesus was planning. He wasn't planning to be this political leader or this powerful leader that was going to tell everybody what to do and make the Jewish people rise. No, he was going to come and be a servant. He was going to come and die for them and then rise again. And what seems crazy to me is the disciples seemingly forget that he predicted this. He predicted his death and resurrection multiple times. There's probably three blatant times that we see, and there's other, you know, ones that aren't so blatant. But like three blatant times, he says, I am going to die, and I'm going to rise again. You would think, if you, let's, let's think about this for a second. If you have a friend, and he comes to you and says, hey, I'm going to be killed, but I'm going to rise again. Do you think you'd remember that conversation? I mean, seriously, if a friend was like, hey, yeah, I'm going to be taken in, they're going to kill me, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rise again. I feel like you would remember this, yet they don't. They don't remember this. And so they're holding on to this hope that they have of Jesus being something that he wasn't even planning on being. Something far greater and bigger than what they could imagine, but they were still holding on to what they thought, what they assumed was going to happen. And so my second slide is this. The biggest issue was not in their doubt, but in misplaced hope. 
They were hoping for something different. And so when they saw the reality of the situation, they couldn't even fathom it. They couldn't even think about it because it didn't line up with what they were thinking. Do we have any misconceptions or maybe assumptions of Jesus? Have we ever assumed how Jesus was going to work in our lives? Have we ever assumed that God was going to do something? Do we have misplaced hope? You see, in Luke 24, verses 21, they even said, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. This is on the road to Emmaus. A couple disciples are together, and they're walking, and Jesus is with him, and they're talking about this, and this is what they said. Like, he's dead. We had hoped this. They're sad. Where do we have misplaced hope? Maybe you've put hope in yourself and what you can do. And you've gotten to a point where life isn't really going as expected. You're feeling the weight of life, of bills, of your job, of parenting, of school. You now have to face the weight of failure, the weight of uncertainty. Is my business going to make it? Can I make the bills? Will we have food? Maybe you once had hope in Jesus, but then life didn't look like what you expected, and so you lost hope. Maybe you once believed, but what, what you've seen following doesn't seem to line up with what you expected from God. There's something beautiful in this resurrection story. At first, the disciples, we see that they've lost hope because their, their, expectation, their expectations are not met. But then something changes. Something changes. The same men who had fear and ran and hid when Jesus was killed, now all of a sudden have a change of heart. Now all of a sudden, things are different. And I ask you, what, what do you think it would take to go from hiding to then being willing to die for something? Because if we remember, almost all the disciples died because they were preaching about Jesus' resurrection. So what would have to change from people who ran away because he died to now going out and sharing this gospel, this good news to people about Jesus' resurrection? Why would they go out and change their heart, change what they were doing if this wasn't true? Why would they do that? What would have had to change for them to change their heart? There's a story in Mark chapter 2 of a paralyzed man. And his friends, they, they, they bring him and they, they cut a hole in the ceiling. And they lower this paralyzed man to Jesus to be healed. And when Jesus saw the men's faith, he looks at the paralyzed man. He says, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, if you're that paralyzed person, are you rejoicing or are you saddened? Were you expecting your sins to be forgiven or were you expecting your legs to be healed? I think so often we look at the physical things. We look at the things in front of us. 
our current situations, our current pains, and we want God to fix it? What if you were that paralyzed person who came in and he said, your sins are forgiven? You say, what? I don't want my sins forgiven. I want to walk. But how short-sighted is that? You want a physical healing. But Jesus knows there's a healing that's far greater than this physical healing, a spiritual healing. Even in verse 9, Jesus says, Which is easier, to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? You see, we miss the spiritual component of what Jesus is actually offering. We're missing the bigger picture. Matthew 16, 26, it says this, What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? What can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Are we looking at the physical world? Are we looking for, for relief from that? Or do we understand that we actually need a Savior? that we actually need Jesus, that we can't do it on our own, that we aren't good enough on our own. And it's in the beauty of the resurrection of Jesus that we actually have hope. So I ask you, what is your hope in? What is your hope in? Is it in your job? Is it in how much money is in your bank? Is it in your physical attributes and what you can do on your own? Is it in your intellect and how smart you are? What is your hope in? Is it misplaced? Jesus didn't come so that we we're comfortable. Jesus didn't come so that we would never face trials. Jesus didn't come so that, that we could be the best people and look down on everybody else. No, Jesus came because he knew we couldn't do it on our own. Jesus came because he loves us. And for me today, my hope is built on the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. My hope is firmly placed in that. My hope is built on his blood. If you've put your faith in Jesus, we have confidence that we are loved. We have confidence that we are forgiven. We have confidence that his Holy Spirit is in us. We have confidence that we have a future beyond the here and the now. A confidence that no matter what happens in this life, that can't be taken away from us. Is the thing that you're hoping in that strong? Is the thing that you're hoping in able to get you through? I think we all have our doubts sometimes. It seems crazy. I know you don't think a pastor would say that. It seems crazy. It's miraculous. And yet that is what my hope is in. My hope is in the love Jesus Christ. Do you have that confidence today? If you've never put your faith in Jesus, I do want to give you an opportunity today. I think a lot of times in church we get this thing where, you, oh, you say the right prayer or do something the certain way and you're saved, but you know what? 
Scripture says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. There's no special prayer you have to do. You have to know it in your heart. You have to say, God, I put my faith in you. I put faith that you sent Jesus here for me, that he died and he rose again, and because of that, I have life eternal that I have forgiveness of sins, that I have a hope that no matter what sickness I get, no matter what job I lose, no matter what friend goes against me, no matter what happens in this life, I have a God that loves me. And that is the foundation that we live by. And so I'm gonna pray together. And if you've never prayed that before, if you've never confessed your belief in Christ whether you're watching online, whether you're here, I'm sure there's somebody here that has their doubts. There's somebody here that, you know, I just don't know if it makes sense. And yet, it made sense enough that the disciples that followed Jesus were willing to put their life on the line. They were willing to die for this. So the question is, can you believe? Can you put your faith in something bigger than you? Can you put your hope in something like that? So I'm gonna pray, and I ask that everybody just pray along with me. Just say it out loud, repeat what I say, and if if, if you have asked Jesus to be your savior, if you have put your faith in Jesus, this will be just another proclamation. If you've never done this before, this is a great time to do it to put your faith in something bigger than you. Let's pray together. Let's say, Jesus, we believe you are Lord. We believe that God raised you from the dead. I thank you for your forgiveness. I put my faith in you. Amen. God, we thank you for this time and we thank you for everyone here. We thank you for the good news, the gospel. God, that you came, died, and rose again for us so that we may have new life, that we may may have hope in you, hope beyond anything this life can offer. We love you and it's your name we pray.